Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Joseva Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Hey, what's up, guys? We are back with another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. We are your hosts, Huzefa Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Jasper, how's it going? Hey, hello, everybody. So, Jasper, how excited are you for our guest today? I am very excited. The first time that I met our guest, Chip Conley, was at the TBEX Travel Conference last year in Dublin, where he was one of the keynote speakers. So, I know a little bit about him, and I'm very excited to hear his thoughts on, on Airbnb in general. And that's right. And for you guys out there who don't know who Chip Conley is, he is a straight-up superstar. So let me give you a quick intro. He is the current head of hospitality for Airbnb. His background is really impressive. Um, his MBA at Stanford. He started and launched a really successful startup company, a uh, company called Joie de Vivre. It's all about hotels and hospitality. Um, he's a prolific writer, written tons of books. That's all I'm going to say. And I think it's best that we hear about Chip from Chip. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Chip Conley to the show. Chip, how's it going? Hey guys, great to be with you. Um, I like being hanging out with two people who have stranger names than I do, at least by American standards. So it's great <laughs> to be with you. <laughs> All right, so Chip, I kind of gave a super quick 10-second summary of your very extensive and interesting background, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your education, your work experience, all that? So I, I, I uh, went to Stanford undergrad and Stanford Business School when I graduated with my MBA I spent a couple of years doing doing real estate development, and then I started a hotel company, a boutique hotel company, which basically means a smaller, usually smaller hotels. Um, and uh, called, the company was called Joie de Vivre, uh, means joy of life in French, and created 52 boutique hotels over the course of about 25 years. And uh, it became the second largest boutique hotel company in the U.S., and um, then I ultimately sold the company to uh, an heir of the Hyatt uh, family, the, uh, a guy named John Pritzker. And I still own about 18 hotels. So I, I sold the management company and the brand, but, but not the individual hotels. And um, so a year and a half ago, I was approached by Airbnb to give a, a talk on hospitality innovation here at, here at the headquarters. Uh, you know, the intent of Airbnb... Um, at that point was they really realized we really realized i wasn't i wasn't part of the we yet i was it was more like they um, they realized at that point that in order for the company to be a differentiator <clears throat> in the um, the platform space for accommodations we couldn't just be an accommodations company we i'm sorry we couldn't just be a technology company we really needed to be focused on what does it mean to create uh, remarkable hospitality experiences but there hadn't been a lot of time or uh, energy or staff put into to that question. So after I gave my hospitality innovation speech, Brian asked me if 
if I could help mentor him uh, since I'd been a CEO of my own company for 24 years. And then he asked me to look at how we could turn the company into a hospitality company. So that's what I've been doing for, um, you know, a bunch of months, almost a year and a half. And uh, it's been a great experience because, you know, it's not simple. This is, um, frankly, the most innovative hospitality organization in the world because we have over a half million hosts in 190 countries, and none of them are our employees, um, unless there's somebody who's an existing Airbnb employee who's chosen to be a host. So the question is, how do you motivate people who are not your employees? And uh, I'm a psychology nut, so I found that really interesting, and I've enjoyed uh, the process of looking at how we motivate people. So what's the uh, what's the ways that you guys try to motivate hosts to to do a better job of hosting? Well, first we had to start by <clears throat> trying to help everybody. When I say everybody, I mean the employees in Airbnb. Um, the hosts and the guests understand some minimum standards of what does it mean to stay in there in Airbnb. And the reason we came up with that was because one of the things that we were hearing from our guests was the, the there was a feeling like, you know, Airbnbs and it, it, the experiences are so inconsistent. Um, and the thing I've said internally is we should never have consistency be our primary goal because we'll never be as consistent as hotels. But what we what we should be is more dependable than where we are today. And what does that mean? It, dependability means that we do a really good job of helping to educate our guests about the experience they're going to have, and then helping to develop our hosts so that they can actually provide that that kind of experience or better. Um, the consistency is what Holiday Inn does. Um, so. But we had to start with a play, from a place of saying, what are some minimum standards that we should probably have everywhere? And those are somewhat focused on consistency. And those are things like responsiveness. If, if it, So the nine, we have nine standards. We introduced them last year. Um, and we've been this year going ahead and looking at how do we educate our hosts on them. Uh, some of the more important ones are cleanliness, uh, responsiveness in terms of how quickly uh, a host responds to an inquiry, uh, and support um, when someone actually is a you know is a, is in trouble or having a challenge. Uh, how does a host become a hero? So that was the, the the first step was to actually identify based upon talking to guests and hosts what are nine key moments of truth and how do we help our hosts understand those. So if you go to the Airbnb website, there's a whole section on hospitality standards that educates people about that. Um, that's the first step. Then we had to start figuring out how do we educate and then start to help our hosts get better at, you know, educate and then uh, improve the quality of the experience of hosts based upon these nine standards. And that's really a lot of what we'll be doing this fall. Um, in this fall, we will be launching uh, later in the fall a host da dashboard that will help a host understand how they're doing on, a on some of the more important standards. Um, and as well as giving some tools and tips for them to actually get even better at what they're doing. So, so at, at, at front, on the front end, we're, it's really about education, and we, we're really lucky to have a great uh, lead, uh, Laura, Laura Brew, who she, she's our um, head of uh, learning and education and development of our hosts, and she has a, a master's from Stanford, <clears throat> really smart about how do you help create uh, motivating tools. 
I have a couple other thoughts, but I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet for a moment in case you have another question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was great. And we, so I want to jump back really quick to the standards portion. And it sounds like all these initiatives are going to be amazing as far as optimizing the product and the experience. But so first of all, we talked to a lot of hosts, current and would-be hosts, about, for example, cleanliness. And I know that was one of the nine standards that you mentioned at the, at the top of the list. What would be your biggest advice or your few biggest pieces of advice on the cleanliness front for, for people who are listening right now? My <clears throat> biggest piece of advice is have someone other than you look at what you think is a clean uh, apartment or home uh, just to actually have another pair of eyes. And I don't mean every time you have a guest do this, but I do mean when you're starting out, um, your eye for what you think is clean may be very different than someone else who's not used to your place. Um, and so having someone be your quality control person, this could be your girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, your best friend, your neighbor, have them spend 15 minutes just walking around and doing the, you know, the white glove test. And um, you'll be surprised at things that you didn't notice. Um, so that would be one solution. Another solution, and we've, we've launched this in San Francisco and in New York and are, are moving into other markets, is we're going to create a platform where we're going to have a bunch of cleaning companies accessible to our hosts. So you could, if you chose to, hire an outside firm that's been vetted by us, um, that understands Airbnb and is actually integrated into our platform in some way such that you you can actually choose to not do any of the cleaning yourself, and you can use an outside professional company to do that. Um, so uh, we've seen in both New York and San Francisco, <clears throat> this has helped create uh, a better way of life for many hosts who felt like they were running a very high occupancy and they were spending too much time cleaning, you know, doing all the cleaning. So that's another alternative. And so this is the pilot cleaning program, is that correct? That's correct. And we've been working with um, a company called HandyBook, uh, in New York and in San Francisco and uh, looking at, at going to other markets with them. But we'll actually have other com cleaning companies as well. Okay. And for people who are listening and saying, okay, when might this be available and how might it work? Do you have an idea of maybe when it, when it will come on the market in some other cities and also what, how the pricing will work and all that? The, the major markets, some, some top markets, like I think we were looking at London potentially soon, <clears throat> maybe Paris. Um, I would say some of those other top markets will uh, get some attention this fourth quarter. By next spring, our goal is to have a platform in place that has a whole collection of service providers, uh, you know, co coaching consultants, people who, someone who's a uh, uh, Airbnb host coach uh, or a cleaning service or a um, property management company that actually can provide some of the key exchange um, and even just the uh, the relationship, building the relationship with the guests. Um, so we'll, we'll, all of that's supposed to be in place by this coming spring. So that means at that point we would be glo <clears throat> global with it. So I really like uh, what you said about the, the cleanliness, and that's this is something that we stress in our in our book as well. Do not economize on on cleaning your the, your apartment because I always think that a place not being clean is probably the, mo the most common complaint that travelers have. And you know, I know you own uh, a lot of hotels, so 
Is that is that correct? Yeah, let me tell you a little story, and it's how I learned about cleanliness early on. So there was a a woman who was coming to stay in my first hotel, a place called the Phoenix here in San Francisco, and she um, she was excited about the hotel. The hotel's sort of a funky hotel, but she still seemed excited. And within the first mm, like hour she was there, she found a couple of hairs in the um, shower. And I got to tell you that this woman who had loved the hotel up to that point in the first couple hours, at that point, she started looking for lint under the bed. And what I mean by that is that once someone feels that somehow you have um, cut corners on cleanliness, they start looking for where else have you cut corners. And it becomes a bit of a canary in the coal mine or a, um, a you know the tip of an iceberg such that I've seen guests start to become inspectors and private, you know, private investigators to figure out, okay, what else isn't working here? And uh, so what we found, we did a study back in my hotel company days, that when someone actually rated us uh, low for cleanliness, um, the, it was the number one indicator of whether they had a good experience or not. It, because what tended to happen is if you think it wasn't clean, then you made a bunch of assumptions that there were other problems as well. And, you know, that chair that didn't feel quite as comfortable, if you loved everything else about the place and the chair felt, you know, you wouldn't have noticed it. But, yeah, now I now I can sort of feel something that didn't feel comfortable there. But so the bottom line is cleanliness is um, it's in the eye of the beholder. And that's why having a friend of yours or somebody who's you know not used to your apartment or home as much as you are, having them go and do the white glove test and just uh, instruct you on what things they see and notice would be very valuable. And how do you think hosts are doing on average? Well, I think, you know, w one of the things we changed this summer is we changed our review process a little, partly to actually help encourage more candor. Um, I think that the review system as it is now provides a little bit of grade inflation. So if you think you've got a 4.6, let's say you've got a 4.6 rating as a host on cleanliness, you say, well, that's really good. But when when the host dashboard comes out this fall, what while I can't guarantee this, it is certainly something I would hope to say that we will be doing, is it will tell you within your region, what does a 4.6 rating mean, let's say in New York. So if you had a 4.6 rating in New York, and you thought, well, I'm doing really well, we might tell you, you're doing 4.6, but that's the 42nd percentile uh, within New York, which means that 58% of hosts are doing better than you. So being able to ha help uh, our hosts understand both how they're doing relative to other hosts. Now we would not we would not make that public to guests because we actually think it's way too much information. But helping hosts know where could they improve, what are some suggestions of how they can improve, um, is the kind of thing we want to do to help our hosts get better at what they do. I think that's a really good improvement because what I've noticed from talking to a lot of hosts, it seems that a lot of people just don't really know where they stand and right. they they're not aware of all the improvements that they could be making so i right. think it's definitely a great idea to get some comparison in there and is this is this just going to be for the ratings or are you are you going to show some some stats for uh for other metrics as well well, we're going to look at that. There'll be other metrics. We're going to help. Help. Uh, one of the things we want to do is help uh, hosts do an even better job of pricing their their listing, um, especially given in seasonal markets. Uh, you know, basically, just let me make sure this is aware for all of the, your listeners. 
uh, for northern hemisphere markets, not all of them, but many of them, most of them, uh, the slowest season usually is from about November till um, March or so. Now, that's not true in ski areas or in um, areas that tend to have beaches, um, you know, warmer beaches. But in New York, it's true. New York's busy right around Christmas for sure and Thanksgiving. But, you know, in mar many, many markets, things slow down. So being able to educate a host and say, here's what the next three months look like in your region and how you might price yourself accordingly is, is how we can use data to the advantage of the host. And it can actually be to the advantage of you know, Airbnb as a whole because if our hosts do a better job of pricing themselves in the off-season, it means that when we're competing with other sites or other or hotels or things like that, that we're doing rev what's called revenue management, which is, a, I think, a basic fundamental part of being a good micro-entrepreneur as a host. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think it's a, it's a very good point with the pricing. You know, in our book, we talk about it quite extensively because it's, it's one of the most complex factors in, in the whole Airbnb hosting process because how are you going to optimize your, your price? How are you going to adjust your pricing over the year? There's so many factors. There's weekdays, there's weekends, there's seasonal influences, there's, there might be conferences in your, in your city, there's Christmas, New Year, all these, all these different things. And it's already hard enough to come up with a, with a good starting point. And you know, hosts should be really focused on being a good host and creating a great guest experience. And we, don't, we can't really expect of them to be you know, mathematicians or statisticians who can calculate all these things. So I yeah. think it's a great... Uh, it's great that you guys are looking for looking to to help host out on, the, on this front. Great. Um, I'll give you three other thoughts. Here's three other th suggestions or tips for hosts. Um, these, I, you know, I've had the good fortune of uh, flying all over the world. Uh, I think five continents to give talks um, on hospitality moments of truth. And three of my favorite tips are the following three. First of all, when it comes to accuracy, and as you know, accuracy is, is something that a, a guest can actually evaluate you on now uh, in a review, but it's also one of our nine uh, host standards as well. I'm a big fan of the following. When you write your listing, I mean, if, if you've gotten free photography from Airbnb, good for you. Sometimes that actually makes your listing look better than it actually is. So be real honest. And what does that mean? Well, I like... I've seen a bunch of hosts who've done the following thing, and it's actually really worked for them. They've said, here's three things that people love about my listing, and then here's two things that some people don't like about it. Now, why is that valuable? Number one is, uh, when you say, here's the three things that people love, you're amplifying a positive. But when you say, here's two things that some people don't like, you're doing a couple things. Number one is you're saying that you are trustworthy and you're candid. And Airbnb is a platform of trust. So the faster – everybody thinks that the best thing you can do is to be over-market yourself. And actually, I, I disagree. I actually think the best thing you can do is build trust quickly. If you build trust quickly, that's going to actually make the sale. Yes, it's nice to have great photos. Yes, lots of flowery, um, wonderful pros about your place. But when you actually are that direct early on and saying, here's some things some people don't like. Uh, it's a, it's a four-story building, and I'm on the top floor. I've got great views. People love the views. But – if you're expecting an elevator, I don't have that. So it may not be appropriate for somebody who isn't uh, comfortable walking the stairs. Uh, if you're in a very busy neighborhood and it, and it gets noisy early in the morning, 
make point that out because if someone's a, a light sleeper and they like to sleep till you know ten thirty in the morning, that's going to be a problem for them. So it, it it also will help you get better reviews because you're going to actually self-select the right kind of guest. So I would just say number one is be focused on accuracy. Focus on some things that some people don't like about your place, and that's actually going to get you the right kind of guest. Um, secondly, I would say that within the first um, – before the be, once you've actually approved somebody and you're going to actually have some, someone stay with you, find out a little bit more about them. Are they, are they on a business trip? Are they on a romantic trip? Is it a family vacation? You may have already figured all that out even before you accepted them um, uh, and, and, and made the reservation with them. But the value in actually learning more about their intent of their trip is you could surprise them with some information or things that will actually be tailor-made for their trip. So, for example, you might find out that somebody is uh, coming to stay with you for five days because it's their 10th wedding anniversary. And when they arrive, you, you know, you actually give them a bottle of champagne and a handwritten note saying, congratulations on your anniversary. That's a really simple example. But that kind of thing starts off their stay such that they love you. They're not going to be looking for lint under the bed when you've been their friend and actually created that for them. Or it might be somebody who's just a yoga enthusiast and a health nut. And you just say, here, you know, and you figure that out based upon just learning about, a little bit about them. And when they, when they arrive... You, you make a list of here's six things in the neighborhood that are great for healthiness. You know, for someone who likes to run, here's a yoga class over here. Here's a great vegetarian restaurant. So learning more about your guests and then delivering on their specific needs, it doesn't take a lot of time, but it shows you care about them. And then thirdly, this is a simple one, but no, almost no one does it, and it's actually really, really, really valuable. The average length of stay with an Airbnb guest is between four and a half and five days. <clears throat> so you've got a person staying with you for an extended period of time in many cases. Within the first 24 hours, but in my, in my opinion, within the first three or four hours, after they've checked in, after the guest has checked in, write them a note. Write them a, if they're staying with you, then you can just write them a note. If they're staying in your place and you're communicating them through, uh, through um, the Airbnb platform, Write them a message and just say, how's everything? How are you enjoying Boston? Let's say they're visiting Boston. How are you enjoying Boston? Any questions you have about Boston? And how's everything in the apartment? Is everything to your, to your, <clears throat> to your expectations? Why is that? Well, 87% of hotel guests who have a small to, my, small to medium complaint never tell the front desk of the hotel. So if it's 87% in a hotel and you're walking by the front desk back and forth all the time, imagine what the percentage is for an Airbnb guest. So you get reaching out and just checking in gives that guest the opportunity to say, hey, the hot water in the shower, in the master bedroom shower, takes two minutes. Is that normal? Or is there something I need to do to fix that? So just know that those three ideas, they don't cost anything. They take a, a tiny bit of time. But they actually help solve uh, some of the major complaints we hear, which is sometimes people feel like they didn't, they didn't feel like the listing was accurate. Um, secondly, they feel like they, weren't, they, they didn't feel like they could belong anywhere because the, the host didn't really care about them. Um, and that's why actually trying to understand your, the intent of your trip is important. And then thirdly, when little things go wrong, a lot of guests just don't want to bother the host. So if the host reaches out first, it, it, it creates the environment for the, host, for the guests to feel like they've got a welcome mat to, to just uh, ask some questions. 
Those are amazing tips, and I hope that everybody out there is taking notes. A really uh, an interesting piece of the second point that you made is that by being attentive, what we found is from talking to so many uh, sorry from talking to so many hosts and current Airbnb users is that not only will that boost your ratings and boost their experience, but as a host, it makes you feel good. We just talked to somebody in Niagara Falls who bakes cookies for her guests. She engages them, gets to, gets to know them, and she doesn't do it for the reviews or for anything other than she loves it and it makes her feel good. And so that's something to keep in mind as well. It essentially becomes a great way to meet interesting people, make them feel good and enjoy, enjoy the entire process yourself. So that's awesome advice. Um, now, Chip, you've touched on a few different topics as far as the innovations that are coming out, right? We talked about the pilot service uh, for, for cleaning. We've talked a little bit about pricing help as far as seasonal pricing. What other innovations can hosts look forward to uh, in, the, in the next few months or few years? Well, so this fall, um, we've announced the Superhost program uh, just recently, uh, relaunching that. Uh, approximately 30,000 of our hosts around the world, about 5% of our hosts are qualified. There are four particular elements uh, to, to qualify uh, for Superhost. You have to have had 10 trips within the last year. You have to have not canceled on anybody, so have that commitment. That's one of the, another one of the host uh, hospitality standards. So you can't have canceled on someone unless it's extenuating circumstances. Um, you need to get at least uh, a five-star reviews for 80% of your, your stays um, and then 90% responsiveness. Um, if you do those things, you actually would get a super host designation. And, and as of you know, recently, uh, we have given that designation to a, a set of hosts. Every quarter, we will update that. So if you there, uh, there's 30,000 hosts who actually qualify. There's about 30,000 other hosts who have three of those four um, uh, designations or three of those four uh, um, standards. So what we want to do is expand the pie in terms of the number of people who actually qualify for the Superhost program because those the Superhosts will get um, uh, a variety of things including some, uh, uh, some extra support uh, from the CX team. Um, they get to actually give more feedback. Uh, they get to actually come to our Airbnb open and go to a big-time cocktail party with uh, our employees. And let me talk about that as well, the Airbnb Open. So November 21st to the 23rd, we actually have um, our first annual global hotel con uh, host conference here in San Francisco. And we're going to actually move it from continent to continent every year. Um, the idea behind it was we really think of our hosts as partners and we want to actually treat them that way. And we want them to feel comfortable that they can come and spend time learning from each other. And so we have uh, four, 40 or more uh, host-led uh, classes. We have a host, super host panel. Um, we have employee-to-host dinners. So we, our employees within Airbnb open up their homes so hosts can actually uh, have dinner with them in groups. Um, we have uh, Fred Reed, who is was the uh, founding CEO of Virgin America, and he was the president of Lufthansa and Delta. He's going to be doing our... our um, Keynote address. He's actually a he's a host. I don't know if he's a super host, but he's definitely a host, and he has four listings. Um, and he's going to come and talk about just the nature of um, being a host. Brian Chesky is going to do a, a big um, uh, address to the group, and we'll have give create the environment where our host can give us feedback. 
Um, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be just us presenting things, but it's us gonna, we're going to be listening as well. So that's November 21st to the 23rd. It's been so popular. So, you know, if you, if you can't sign up, sign up on the waiting list. And I'm sure we'll have people who actually drop out, and hopefully we can get you in. Um, that's going to be an amazing event. Uh, beyond that, we've got a pilot that we're working on in Paris where we're creating an environment, uh, an opportunity for a senior hosts, more experienced hosts, to actually mentor junior hosts. So new hosts, people who come into the, into the Airbnb, um, because we have 1,400 new people per day joining Airbnb as a host. That's a phenomenal number. And so uh, we are trying uh, uh, something out in Paris where we actually will allow our more experienced hosts to teach the newer hosts what does it mean to be a great host. Um, so we have, a, we have a variety of things that we're looking at and we're going to continue to evolve. So this super host status, that I've, I remember when I started hosting on Airbnb, there was already... Uh, such a thing available, but I think it disappeared at some point, didn't it? Yeah, here's what happened. Um, it, it was funny when I joined about a year and a half ago. I, I I saw that there's some super hosts. I said, so how many are there? There's 300. How how did you choose the 300? Well, you have to apply. When was right, the last right. time you had applications? Well, we haven't had applications for over a year now. Why don't you have applications anymore? Well, because we couldn't actually staff it, and it was just it was it became cumbersome. And I said, so you have a great program. I like the name Superhost, but you, it, in essence, it's starting to wither on the vine. It's atrophying because we're not investing in it. We need to figure out a way how to bring it back to life. And that's what we're doing. So uh, the, the 300 original Superhosts, yes, they will be part of this program, assuming they, they qualify. But add two more zeros, I believe it is. And you'll have 30,000 now. And so it's a, it'll be a much more robust program. It'll be we, we've got invested in the resources now to actually monitor it. We have a, a manager, a program manager who, who runs that program, um, and we see it as one of the more important incentives. Because what we want to do is we don't just want to enforce you know standards on hosts and, and you know beat up on them when they aren't doing the right things. We actually want to recognize and reward our best hosts, and because uh, a badge will appear on a, a superhost listing. It is a way for our guests to be able to understand, uh, you know, where they might find some of the best quality. So um, that's that's why we have uh, sort of brushed off the program, and it's actually new and improved. Great! I'm really happy to hear that. I was actually uh, one of those people who applied for it, and I uh, I got a response that it was no longer available. Yeah. So I was a little bit disappointed. I was really looking forward to having the badge, um, but I'm I'm happy to hear that. Um, that the hosts who are willing to go that extra mile will yep. get recognized for it. Yep, absolutely. And it's because partly because of what you guys do. I mean, what, what we're so impressed by at Airbnb is the number of, we call it the ecosystem, the number of micro-entrepreneurs who've gone out to help support hosts, whether it's with cleaning companies or property management services or education like you're doing, that actually helps to create a stronger overall airbnb community and um so we we just want to say thank you to you yeah you're, you're very welcome chip <laughs> um it's uh it's it's great you know and and since we started doing this we've also found a lot of other people who are somehow involved in helping other hosts or educating them um we just had a, a guest on our show who was from Buenos Aires, who um has a has a great story he 
couldn't pay his rent anymore and he convinced his landlord to rent out his apartment for just two weekends a month and uh, ended up being able to pay his full rent just by renting out two weekends in the month. And he started uh, a, a Facebook community. He has over 170 people in the group. They're helping each other out. They're, they're going to the supermarket together to buy things in bulk. Um, they, they, they're helping each other out when somebody's not there to, to welcome the guests. And, you know, so we're seeing a lot of initiatives. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a great, great to see that there's so many people passionate about this this concept of you know sharing your house and your neighborhood with people from all over the world yeah that's great so chip one more question i have for you just out of curiosity do you have an airbnb listing i do, you do. <laughs> I, do. I have my my home my primary home as a listing i because it's a. Uh, I have a one-bedroom, four-bath home. <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange home. It's a very big home, but most of the bedrooms I've turned into other, other kinds of rooms. So because it's my primary home and I don't have a secondary bedroom, I actually don't put it, uh, you know, it, it, I don't make it available all that often, but I do on occasion and have enjoyed being a host. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll see that invitation coming uh, for the Airbnb yeah. Open. <laughs> um, we look forward to having you for the open. <laughs> so, Chip, you have tons of answers, all sorts of insight for li our listeners out there who are saying, "Hey, you know what? We want to jump in. We want to start an Airbnb listing." What pieces of advice do you have for them? Listen to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, you heard it. Yes, you heard it here from Chip Conley. Listen to us. All right, what else? Yeah, listen to you. <laughs> And then try it. Try it out. You know, that's the key thing is do a lot of people sort of get halfway there. They start writing their listing and they don't finish it and they don't make their, their listing available. And uh, I can tell you the numbers are staggering in terms of how many people who don't quite get to the finish line of actually having their first guest. So, you know, try it out. It's not for everyone. I mean, it really isn't. Some people are too busy. Their home's not suitable for it. Whatever reason. But um, one, of the, one of the most simple ways you can do it is use Airbnb as a way to finance your vacation. You're going on a two-week vacation or holiday. You're going to be gone. You're, and you feel comfortable that you can actually uh, rent your place out, whether, you know, depending upon what the you know, situation is with, as with your landlord or with your HOA if you're a condo or whatever it is. Um, try it out. Try renting your place out. And the money you make from having someone stay with you can actually finance your vacation. The people who do this really well are the Australians. The Australians are remarkable in terms of how they use Airbnb as their means of financing long travel, since the Australians tend to travel for extended periods of time. It's interesting to mention that I just spoke to a travel expert, a girl who's running a travel block, and... You know, we're just talking about how I am able to travel the world using my my apartment in Amsterdam on the Airbnb, and um, she said, "Well, that's that's really cool. I wish I could do that." And I asked her, "Well, do you have a house?" And she said, "Yes." So naturally, my next question was, "Well, have you have you listed it on Airbnb?" And then her answer was, "Well, my house isn't very suitable for it." So I right. asked her, "Why is it not suitable?" 
And she goes, well, it's kind of, it's a little messy and it's, you know, it's, you live in Amsterdam, which is very popular amongst tourists, but you know, I'm in a different city and uh, I don't think anyone would want to stay in this, in this town, you know? And I told her, well, you don't really know that, you know, you can, you can, you can always make up and come up with excuses why, why people wouldn't want to stay at your house. But the only way to find out is to just to start and it's free. There's no risk. And you know, you might be surprised. There might actually be people looking to stay in your, in your area. Even if it's not very popular among tourists, there might be right. people visiting family or there might be people yep. there on business or whatsoever. The point is you, you just don't know until you find out. So um, I, I, re I think it's a great point. Everybody who's out there thinking about listing on Airbnb, just give it a try. It's free. If you have started creating your listing, you know, just go ahead uh, I'm pretty sure you will. You won't be uh, disappointed. Yes. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate being able to spend some time with you. Thank you so much. And Chip, for people who are interested in learning more about you or about Airbnb, where can they where can they get more information? Well, <clears throat> of course, the Airbnb website's one great place to 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 uh, look for anything, especially uh, backslash hospitality. Um, they can reach out to me directly. I have an email address, which is chip at airbnb.com. Um, so I'm open to, to getting uh, emails from people. And for me, on a personal basis, uh, to, if you want to learn more about my history, my background, and the books I've written, it's chipconley.com, with Conley spelled C-O-N-L-E-Y, chipconley.com. All right. Well, Chip, thank you so much, guys. I encourage you to check out Chip. And like I said, he's a prolific writer. He's got tons of amazing books that he's written. So definitely check that stuff out. And Chip, once again, thank you so much. This was by far our best episode yet, packed with tons of amazing information as well as cool stuff on the horizon that everybody can be expecting from Airbnb in the near future. Now, if you guys want to go back and actually look at all the information that was given, you can check out our show notes at Get paidforyourpad.com forward slash podcast. Also to check out our book on Airbnb hosting, you can go to getpaidforyourpad.com and you can even download the first three chapters for free. Our book is also available now on Amazon Kindle for $9.99. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. You can check out new episodes every Monday and Thursday. All right, every Monday and Thursday, a new episode will drop. And that is it for me and Jasper. We'll see you next time. Get paid for your pet, get paid for your pet, get paid for your pet.